Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Okay, Jim, you're the man. I am the man. Okay, hi again, everybody. Come on in. Help yourself. You know where the fridge is. Get anything you want, okay? It's time for another episode of Inside Curling with me, Jungle Jim Jerome, and our two World Curling Hall of Famers, Kevin Martin and Warren Hansen. We uh, do this each and every week, and we thank you for tuning in and joining us. Uh, we also do some special shows, so uh, stay tuned for those. Uh, first, I'd like to recognize all our sponsors, Sports Interaction, who brings you what is happening around the curling world. Boost, the sponsor of Mailbag, Coyote Tractor, the sponsor of Hot Rock Topics, and Goldline, who brings you in the house, which is our guest spot, and we have one today. On the show, the Provincial Territorial Playdowns continue this past weekend, and we will review what took place with the Briar uh, Playdowns in Saskatchewan and Northwest Territories. Uh, here's what else is happening around the curling world. Big announcement uh, out of Curling Canada this week with regard to the hiring of a new high-performance director. Uh, we'll get your thoughts on that. And kind of interesting where he's from. Hmm. Uh, a few other national championships were determined in a couple of countries this past week, and we're going to take a look at those and who the winners were in Japan and Sweden. The U.S. Nationals and Scottish Championships are happening this week. And the Strathcona Cup, I love this idea. Uh, Kev, I think it's 60 Scottish guys come over to Canada. <laughs> they do it every five years. And uh, it, it's a dry spiel, Kevin, okay? There's no, uh, there's no drinking. <laughs> no scratch allowed. Uh, yeah, anyway, we had, we had a couple emails on that thing. And we'll give you the update, okay? Uh, which we talked about earlier in January. And now we got a final. Uh, we did a special show last week regarding the decision made by Curling Canada to allow pregnancy leave for women's teams ranked in the top five. But that has dramatically changed since then, with a couple changes in between. <laughs> uh, I think we're there. I think we're there. Uh, so since the initial announcement, the rule has been revised a couple of times, and we're going to look at that. Hot Rock Topics. We talked to Mike McKinnon last week about the three-person team, and it was briefly discussed about this approach having other consequences for the sport. Uh, we're going to open up on that topic. We got lots. This is good. In the house, we promised a guest. Selena Negavan, the third for Caitlin Law's team, uh, has been in the news this past week. Speaking of the uh, what started as a pregnancy rule has now changed a couple of times. Uh, she piped up, okay? She wasn't taking any crap. They could have a pregnant Scotties, okay? They probably get as many teams in there. Uh, well, so we're going to talk about that. All right, let's get rolling. What's happening around the curling world is brought to you by Sports Interaction. You want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction. Get in on the action and make a play at Sports Interaction. You've got to be 19 plus to play and Ontario only. And please play responsibly. Uh, okay, Warren, uh, a couple of more provincial territorial finals were completed uh, this weekend for the Briars side of things. Champions were determined at NWT and Saskatchewan. Uh, do tell, Warren, who's going, who's not. Okay, Jim. Well, let's start with Saskatchewan. And of course, I think everybody expected that probably Colton Flash was going to be the representative from Saskatchewan, but guess what? He isn't. And he oh. bowed out fairly early. The final was between Kelly Knapp and Steve Laycock, and Knapp won that game by a score of 5-4. to four. So he'll be making his first trip to the Briar. And this isn't a young team. They've been around for a while. They're all in their 30s. Uh, Knapp himself was an alternate in the Briar back in 2011. He played in part of one game. So this is a brand new team into the Briar from Saskatchewan. Quite the contrary in the Northwest Territories, Jamie Cooey easily won his 16th Purple Heart as a representative for Northwest Territories. So just to review, here are the teams that have been determined so far. In Newfoundland, Labrador, Nathan Young, Nova Scotia, Matthew Manuel, PEI Tyler Smith, 
Quebec, Felix Aslan, Ontario, Mike McCune, Northern Ontario, Tanner Horgan, as we mentioned, Saskatchewan, Kelly Knapp, BC, Jacques Gaucher, None of it, Jake Higgs, Northwest Territories, we mentioned Jamie Cooey, Yukon, Thomas Scoffin, and of course, Team Canada is Brand Gushu. That means we have three to be determined that's going to happen this weekend, New Brunswick, Alberta, and Manitoba. So here's the wild card situation as we see it at the moment. So if we take a look at the rankings, number one is Dunstan, number two is Botcher, three is Gushu, four is Cooey, five is Crothers, six is Sturmey, and Epping is number seven. Uh, interesting to see what happens in, I guess, Manitoba. Let's assume Dunstan does win that, and uh, Crothers maybe loses to him in the final or sooner. And we'll assume for now that Botcher wins Alberta. So that means Dunstan, Botcher, and Gushu would be in. That would open the door for Cooey, Crothers, and Sturme out of Alberta. But if something was to happen that uh, both Dunstan and Crothers didn't make it, and the same thing in Alberta, if it wasn't Cooey, Butcher, or Sturme that made it, then things could change drastically. So that's going to be a bit of an interesting roller coaster to watch this coming weekend as to how that whole thing shakes down. How do you see it, Kevin? Yeah, well, it's, it's a pretty good field. Um, you're right, uh, Colton Flash not doing well in Saskatchewan is a bit of a shock. Uh, no question about that, but a big congratulations to uh, to Kelly Knapp, uh, who played front end for years. So uh, good for him to get in there, get on the tee head and do well. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely looking forward to the provincials watching who wins, who doesn't, and then how far down the list do we go as far as the wild cards. Uh, uh, so it'll be interesting to see if Sturmay can manage to get in because he was kind of a concern of everybody because top young team, very, very good. If they get in the briar, they have a great chance of getting to the playoffs. But they just haven't been able to get to the briar because it's just very difficult out of Alberta. So it'll be fun to watch this week. Uh, boys, Warren, uh, the teams you started off naming from the Maritimes, uh, from the East Coast, I, I think the first three or four, I didn't recognize those names at all. Uh, is this the year for younger teams coming in? Two of them are new. Nathan Young, this is his second briar, but he's only 20 years old. So that's a young team out of St. John's. Uh, after that, Felix Aslan, he's been around for a while. I think this is probably going to be his 34th briar, but I think this is the first one with him on the T-head. Um, certainly out of Northern Ontario, Tanner Horrigan, we know who he is, uh, with strong, strong team uh, put together. I think uh, Kelly Knapp, that's a new one. Right. Jacques Gaucher out of BC, that's a young team. Uh, again, I think a team of the future. So I think in those teams in the in the areas that you mentioned that you don't haven't maybe heard their names, there's going to be some uh, surprises, but uh, there are some two pe- new people. What do you think, Kev? Well, yeah, the, yeah. The more young teams, the better, in my opinion, and that's great. That's something that we just haven't been able to get because of the it's just sort of the rules. You know, it's tough for a young team to be able to get past the experienced older guys. It's kind of the way it is in, in curling, and, and it's great to see some young teams in. The more, the merrier. Uh, okay, and uh, of course, in a future show before the Briar, we will do our picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm a little behind the eight ball. Well, I'll get Warren and Kevin's picks. I'm shitty. <laughs> Actually, Jim, I thought it was the last uh, Slammy event. You were quite impressive. Quite well, there we go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Generally, I guess I'm very bad. <laughs> if you want to lay a bet, uh, go to Sports Interaction. Of course, they're taking all kinds of action on curling. A few months ago, it was re- announced that Jerry Peckham uh, was retiring as the High Performance Director of Curling Canada. This past week, it was announced that David Murdoch two-time world champion out of Scotland and current director of high performance was named as the new high performance director for curling Canada. Uh, is this going to piss anyone off, Kev, that they've gone outside the country to do this? Yes. It is, it is, oh, okay. I get a lot of messages and notes and uh, from people. Yes. Uh, but is it a bad decision? I don't know. Uh, David is certainly a, a really good guy as was his dad. I got to know his dad as well and uh, uh, terrific people. Just great family, so a really good curler. All of that, I think, is, is great. There needs to be some changes in our high-performance program. Um, we're not on the podium as much as we should be, so it'll be interesting to see how does he build the program to get on the podium more often. Do you eliminate the provincial borders to, to, to get our top teams a little bit stronger? Maybe. How do we get our teams from Canada to the World Championship? 
How's that happen? Mm-hmm. Is that through the Briar and Scotties or is there going to be a new event where it's only the high performance teams that are part of it? Winners go to the world. I don't know. Um, national training centers like the, well, they've done in Scotland with, with in Sterling, but do we do maybe one or two or three national training centers in Canada? And that's where these top players all get together, at least the young ones. Maybe the curlers choose their teams. Maybe the curlers don't choose their teams. Maybe David chooses the teams. And then a podium finishes. It means a lot to the Curling Canada pocketbook if Canadian teams get on the podium or not. Maybe the teams start to get paid for podium finishes. Do you get X amount for a gold medal? X amount for silver, X amount for bronze. Because it makes a huge difference to Curling Canada. So you maybe maybe put a little butter on that bread. And uh, uh, Dave, Dave's, Dave's a strong guy. So, uh, you know, hopefully he'll take the, take the bull by the horns and, and uh, make some changes. And, and uh, let's see what he does. I, I, I don't view this very negatively, though, actually. It is weird okay. for, for Canada to go outside the border <laughs> to, to find a high-performance boss. But... Dave's a pretty good choice. Warren, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this because I, I don't see it being, like I'm getting a lot of messages. A lot of people aren't very happy with this. I'm just not sure I'm one of those people. It's, uh, it's an opportunity for, for Dave to really make some changes in our, our, our high performance here in Canada. Yeah. First, tell us, Warren, what the high performance director does. Well, the person's virtually in charge of uh, determining Canada's representatives to the world championships and the Olympics. That's their their job and to coordinate with the provinces and with a whole bunch of people, a number of funding agencies in in uh, Ottawa, uh, that where it all has to be pulled together. Uh, the high-performance director on a regular basis has to deal with Sport Canada, own the podium, and the Canadian Olympic Committee. And I think it was suggested to me not too long ago in about a half a dozen other funding agencies and people that do have input in this thing. So once curling became Olympic, a lot of things changed with regard to how they do things. And we sort of in, in Canada have not been operating the system the way that people at those levels of other sports have traditionally done it. So I know the attitude always has been from all three of those big agencies as far as Curling Canada was concerned. Okay, we don't really like what you're doing all that well, but as long as you keep winning, we're okay with it. And I think it's a very good idea that they brought in somebody from the outside. I think David Murdoch was an excellent choice because he's going to be able to tackle some of these things with a new perspective and not being tied into some of the old traditional ways of things that we have in Canada. Um, he's going to have to respect that to some degree as he moves forward to keep everything in harmony. But there's going to be some major changes required. There has been for a long time. And as I got into a discussion yesterday, when you go into the sport of curling in particular, and you try to change anything, you're going to get a pushback. And for the most part, that's not going to be the majority, but there's going to be a very vocal, probably 20% are going to push back hard. So you're going to have to be prepared to step up and take some blows to make any changes. But uh, exactly what he will do, not sure. I think Kevin and I talk, we kind of have some views on, I think how you slowly begin a process of splitting these high-performance athletes kind of away from everybody else, and also creating avenues, how people that have aspirations can move up and through the system and get the experience that they need to eventually become the best is going to be the other challenge that's going to be facing him because right now it's all being done by chance. There really is no route for a young player to say, this is the way I want to go uh, to become a top player in Canada. And if you take a look at a province like Alberta, where you've got Carson Sturme, certainly a, a player of the future, He's got a tough road there because he's he's he needs experience. He needs to be playing at the game championships, but he's got to get through Botcher and Cooey to do it. And so we've got to get away from this whole thing to be able to make sure that we've got the best young players uh, at all times having the best opportunity they, they can to participate at the top level. Ke- Kevin, if you were uh, going to be appointed the high-performance director, would you uh, walk in and did David, would David Murdoch walk in and say, okay, I'll do this, but... I, I need this, or would, would, would he do that? And, and would you do that, Kevin, if you took that gig? I, I, my phone didn't ring, Jim, actually. But, <laughs> but if, uh, for, Dave, for David to take this job, I, I know Dave pretty well. He, he's a strong individual. I, I'd say for him to take this job, he needs to have some control over how he directs the high performance. So I would say, yes, there would be a but where, yeah, I'll do this, but... 
need some uh, roadway here, need some path to be able to uh, right. make some changes because he doesn't want to put, he's got a really big name in our sport worldwide. And this is a mm-hmm. big job. And if all of a sudden Canada doesn't improve and continues to get have trouble getting on the podium, that doesn't look good on, on David Murdoch. But if he can be in charge, really in charge, and, and, and take this uh, high-performance program under his own wing here, and all of a sudden we get on the podium more, He's making an b- even bigger name for himself. So he's got a lot of pressure on him, but I, I think he's a good guy to do it. I agree with Warren. Kev, give us the winners uh, this past uh, week and, and leading up to our national championships and other stuff around the world. Sweden and Japan was declared last week. The USA and Scottish nationals uh, are on this week. Who are the winners, Kev? Uh, any surprises? And what has happened so far in the USA and Scotland? Yeah, this, well, I won't cover much with Japan and Sweden. Um, Japan, the, the champions from last year, won again. That's Satsuki Fujisawa on the women's side. So great representation there. And Riku uh, Yanagisawa, uh, again, Riku won again for the second time. They'll be stronger this time. They were pretty nervous at the Worlds uh, last year. So I expect the men's team out of Japan to do better. Uh, an unknown team, Anna Hasselborg, got a deuce coming home. Actually, Isabella Verano was one up going home, and Anna got the deuce to uh, to win that. So she won again. But, but like I say, there's no no big upsets. I want to get into Scotland here a little bit because right now in the women's after four draws in Scotland, Rebecca Morrison and Leslie Young are both undefeated. So you know, Eve Muirhead stepping away from the game, retiring. This is really important to see the next group who's going to take over from Eve Muirhead in Scottish women's curling. That's that's yet to be known, but those teams are undefeated. Uh, and no surprise, Scottish men, Ross White, Bruce Mowat, both undefeated, both doing well, and that's uh, both at 4-0 in the Scottish men's. In the U.S., this is something I've been paying attention to. On the women's side, uh, Tabitha Peterson, no surprise, um, and Delaney Strauss, both undefeated. Uh, Sarah Anderson, who's very, very good, as three and one. So she's still in the hunt. In the men's though, this is this is kind of cool. You've got John Schuster tied a three-way tie with Daniel Casper and Scott Dunham at three and one. Corey Dropkin has actually dropped two games. I expected Corey to be really strong in this and maybe even go undefeated. They've already lost two games at two and two, Jimmy. So this is, yeah, so it's a really tight race in U.S. men. But we've seen that kind of happening over the last few years. The, on, the, on the men's side in U.S., is really quite competitive at the up up at their high performance level. It is not just a, a walk in the park for John Schuster or Corey Dropkin right now. There's some good depth in the U.S. men's curling. Uh, still lots to come with that. Uh, thanks, Kevin. Uh, a fun deal. It's called the Strathcona Cup. They do it every five years where 60-plus players come from Scotland over to Canada to play. Uh, uh, Canada went five years ago to Scotland. They were The Scottish boys were here <laughs> this year. I giggle because I would love to be hanging out with these guys. Uh, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> I know I would. You I would. I'd be right us. in there, Warren. I could, I could be the mascot for the Strathcona Cup. <laughs> so what happened there, Warren? Tell us how it works. It's really funny how they decide a winner. Give us the results, Warren. Well, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, this event goes back 120 years, and it's uh, every five years roughly, uh, either 60 Scots go to Canada or 60 Canadians go to Scotland. And the tour this year was 22 days that just concluded last week in Ottawa. And it's what we refer to as friendly games. Sure. (laughs) The winner is determined by the total number of points scored versus the total number of points you had scored against you. And guess what? In 2023, the winner is, little drum roll. Canada. Oh, there we With go. With a score of go, 2,454 <laughs> versus a Scottish score of 2,317. Sikanda wins by 137 points. Say that again. <laughs> 2,454 <laughs> versus 2,317. <laughs> That's right awesome. Right down to the wire. <laughs> I think what we do, so we got to wait another five years now, uh, but we'll still, still be around. I think we should do a special show every afternoon, uh, a little late in the day. <laughs> And get some updates from some of the players. Uh, if they can talk. That would be so <laughs> tough on the liver. That would be a tough assignment. Yeah. Uh, way to go, uh, Canada. Uh, way, to, way, to, way to beat them by 200 points. Close to it. <laughs> uh, very good. Thanks, Warren. 
Strathcona Cup. We will tune in in another five years. Uh, they probably need that much sleep between each of, each <laughs> event. Uh, after we did our show last week, we talked to Don McEwen and Casey Scheidegger about the new pregnancy leave rules. Curling Canada changed the rules again, not once, but, but twice. So Warren, tell us where it started and where it is now. Well, I guess the first announcement was roughly around the 1st of February, where it was indicated by Curling Canada that the top five ranked teams in Canada that were playing in the Scotties would be able to replace a player with someone from out of province if they were, were dealing with a parental leave situation. And so the Caitlin Laws team, without question, were, were in that area and in that category, so they were immediately impacted. They were happy with that decision, except they questioned the fact that why is it only the top five teams were able to do this? And the other interesting thing is you can bring in a player from out of province. However, I'll emphasize that other province player or anybody you're bringing in could not have participated in the playdowns up until that time. So they initially brought that out. Then on Thursday of last week, which would have been about the 2nd of February, they then changed that and said that they looked at the situation and starting in 2024, they would grant the same exemption to all teams participating in the Scotties, not just the top five ranks. That in turn continued to get pushed back with regard to the 2023 year. And later in the day, and this announcement came out through a tweet, interesting of all things, that the rule would now apply this year to all teams participating in either the 2023 Scotties or Briar. And it has been emphasized to me by Al Cameron at Curling Canada that this is parental leave. And he suggested as well that the rules that Curling Canada had in place were actually already far more lenient than other sports, which he gave me some examples, which I found interesting that other sports look at this thing, I thought, to somewhat uh, in, in a pr pretty harsh manner. However, that was the final change that came in a tweet. I think that was on Friday. And so now we have the situation for the Scotties in Kamloops that anyone who is dealing with a pregnancy on the team is able to bring in a player from outside the province as long as they have never participated in the playdowns this year. Kev, what do you think? I don't have much to add. I don't think Warren covered that really well, other than, uh, you know, this is a wonderful year for, for, for junior curling in the future. You, you, we've got a lot of pregnancies and babies coming in the next few months, which is, oh, you got to remember, I've, I'm a dad and a grandpa, so I, I think this is great. <laughs> and I'm glad that Curling Canada dealt with it in, I think, a pretty okay manner, other than bring the players in first so you don't make an announcement that makes no sense. So you have to change it. Yeah, we're going to talk to Selena Negavan about that because uh, she weighed in on it uh, and wasn't shy about it. That's what's happening around the curling world. Uh, Hot Rock Topics brought to you by Coyote Tractor. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, UTVs, and ZTRs to do it. We dig dirt. Video streaming has become a hot topic lately, but to some degree, a confusing one. Many people think every curling game of any consequence should be streamed. I guess if you have a cell phone and a YouTube channel, you can provide a stream. I always wondered about that, Warren. If a guy just walked in with his cell phone and started showing the game on sheet B because the national networks aren't showing it and then sell it. I like, I, I might do that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Until they catch so, you, Jim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on all this, Warren? It's, it's, it's here to stay and it's growing and it is the new trend to cover sports is streaming. Well, I think we're going through a, a transition and a, and a change in time that we've seen before in history. And I, I would suggest there's no more blockbuster me, uh, video shops because that was another change that we had to go through in society. So as we move from linear television to the video stream, there's going to be a lot of confusion and difficulty as to where do you find what where. And uh, certainly at this point in time, linear television is where all the money still sits pretty much. And uh, until that slow slide starts to go up the other side of the U, that's where the emphasis is going to be. But in the meantime, streaming is becoming a, a, a real huge issue. And uh, it eventually is going to take control. And I've been reading a bunch of stuff in the last couple of days as how this is all going to sort out with regard to rights. And it's going to be really confusing in various countries, who is going to own the rights to what and, and how is that going to take place and uh, how is it all going to come together. But certainly right now, 
you know, we've got the ability to set up a video stream from practically anywhere with anything. And uh, there's many people that feel that every curling game should be put up on stream. So if uh, Sportsnet's doing the slam and they're providing a linear television signal on one sheet of ice, why aren't they putting on the stream on the other three? And the whole issue is control of the product and control of the rights and the revenue stream. So as soon as you start putting streams out there that are just open to the world, maybe aren't done of the best quality, um, you've you've put the thing out there into the public do- domain, uh, and there's no fee being charged to be able to acquire it. As a result, if you look at a lot of these streams that are being put out on curling games, uh, because there's no way of many people knowing, you've got a, a few hundred viewers usually. Sometimes it can get up to a couple of thousand, but not much beyond that because it's been been all watered down so severely. So I think until this all becomes sorted out and um, the rights to an event, I mean, certainly you're going to watch that the events that Curling Canada does and the ones that Sportsnet do, they're, they're under rights agreements. So it's going to be controlled there. But I get concerned about the the smaller bond spiels that are maybe a little bit up the ladder, but not at the top of the, of the stream. And all of a sudden, they're pumping out video streams from every sheet of ice willy-nilly. Some cases, the quality is not bad. Some is not good. The commentating is some not bad, some not very good. And so we've got this whole uh, rash of things going out there that's somewhat out of control. And I know the hardcore people say, yeah, stream everything. We want to watch curling 24 hours a day. But as we do that, we're, in fact, harming the value of the product. And I think that's something that has to be looked at very carefully moving forward. But, you know, I, I look at the big streaming company, DAZN, in Europe, and I saw an example of what they did with uh, women's soccer there a couple of years ago, where they took on a, an agreement to cover 61 games, I think, that that uh, particular Premier League puts out a year. And initially, there'd be no charge, that they would put the thing out through DAZN uh, without charging anything for it. They would try to recoup some money in the initial going as they built the product from some advertising. But their whole thing during the first two years of that uh, particular contract was building the product and getting an audience. Then as they get into the third year and they've got the audience built, then they'll start to put up a paywall around a number of games. But there will still always be some offered free. So I think everybody's going to take a look at how this is being done and being done very carefully And the fact that we do not see the revenue streams for all this stuff uh, broken down so that there's no money in it. And I think think people have to remember, you know, when they say, well, look, you got four sheets, okay? Uh, Sportsnet, right? Kev does round the rings, which is is cool. But for for people to say, I want to be able to pick any game on any one of those sheets at any time. uh, Understand, folks, if they did that, you need... Six more cameras, seven, eight, nine, ten more cameras. You need six more announcers. You need six more production guys. It's a fortune. You know, it's a fortune to do it. And I think that's a key thing there is to do it to the quality that's going to be acceptable to the public. And what many of the hardcore people will get uh, confused in the fact that we've got a 10% audience that will watch curling anyhow, anyway. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. the majority Mm -hmm. of the audience will not. And for us to be successful with any product, you have to attract and be able to catch the, the fringe of the sport, not just the hardcore. And to do that, the product has to be of a certain quality and uh, it has to be done in, a, in the right manner. Are you a streamer, Kev? What do you think of all this? Some curling, definitely. Uh, watch a lot of streamed softball with uh, with Michaela playing uh, Your daughter. down south. Yeah. So we watch a lot of it, Jim, actually, yeah. But the quality of the stream matters. There's no question about that. The revenue model, to, to Warren's point, is important to understand if you do too much of it and you flood the market, what's the market worth? Um, obviously not much. So that is, going forward, the decision of how these events are covered, to what degree, and by what companies... And I guess it's going to be a battle of, of which companies um, grow and survive and which ones go away. And, mm-hmm. and then hopefully there's strength in those companies because we have an incredible market uh, in curling worldwide, um, a huge market. And it's just a matter of, of getting this organized, but it's in its infancy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously it will work itself out to some degree, but right now you're right. Every sheet of every game everywhere, getting a couple hundred viewers is, is, uh, is not the growth that's that's going to make a difference. Yeah, I think the key thing to mention, as Kevin has suggested as well, the world market for curling is enormous. And if we look at the sport of golf and what's going on there with uh, the the sort of challenge live golf is putting to the PGA Tour, but to some degree, the PGA Tour appeals to the United States market, 330 million. 
the world golf market with Europe and Asia is probably about two and a half billion. And curling looks at a very similar market that golf does. And the fact that our, our audience worldwide potentially can reach 2.5 billion people where there's curling happening. And so how that's all going to fit into the scheme of things going forward is going to be fascinating to see how it all happens. But that's the, that's going to be the challenge. When everybody criticizes the live golf uh, approach to life, they're looking at being able to stream that stuff to that potential 2.5 billion audience, I'm quite sure is what the long range plan is. Uh, streaming is coming in all sports, uh, including curling. So this will be totally interesting and curious over the next several months. Uh, that was Hot Rock Topics. Mailbag, brought to you by Nestle Boost. Complete nutrition to fuel your day. Uh, we got an email from Brian Baker from Texas. Hey, boys. I was watching Team Skrillex's clutch victory at the Alberta Scotties a couple of weeks back that brought an issue to mind that appears to be divisive in our curling community. On ice emotion, Skrillex team shouted for joy upon winning, even throwing their brooms in the air, including some poignant F-bombs in the mix. It's very clear that some people find this entertaining, while others find it horribly distasteful. What say you curling pod gods? I like that. Uh, What do you guys say about this? With the question out of the way, my thoughts. Curling has to liven up to get the uh, internet, Twitch streamer generation of kids, Gen Y, Gen Z, uh, don't latch on to the traditional silent reverence of curling golf or tennis like predecessors. I've read comments from older curling fans scolding top-level players for not being ladylike. Huh. Uh, because they swore in a video or chastising a player who played with his hat on backwards or expressing too much joy in a shot or victory. Meanwhile, people under 30 are commenting on curling videos with, and the crowd goes mild. or cracking some joke about watching curling as a cure for insomnia (laughs) the full send proper etiquette is too buttoned up for younger generations thanks for reading and bigger thanks for doing what y'all do Uh, brian baker's from the lone star curling club in austin yeah let's liven it up a bit kev i'm on that side what do you say I love you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Brian Yall, for sending us the note. Appreciate that. The crowd goes mild. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, wasn't I? Don't know if you watched the uh, the replay of of the Alberta thin double for the win, but that was a classic broom toss. Right. That broom went forty feet in the air. It still hasn't landed, so it was pretty epic. So anyway, I like seeing that true emotion. There was nothing made up about it. They were excited with the fantastic intern thin double and why not have fun, get excited. No problem at all. And yeah, you hear some of the uh, unladylike, well, I love it when uh, you get athletes that, that show their emotion and, and uh, you don't want too much swearing, of course, but to some of it when it's real and it's, it's out there and it's on your shirt sleeve. That's great. Um, for the younger generation. Yeah. You, you need the excitement. You need short games. You got to, get on with it lots of action eight ends two hour game uh mixed doubles great uh it's quick and lots of action uh this is all very very important for for the young generation and and with all the action then it could be as far as quick little snippets of 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 going on social media that's important to be able to get the highlights of games quickly without having to watch the game this is all Really important stuff going forward to get the uh, the young people involved in our sport. In building, in building needs to change in curling, in venue uh, experience. Um, there's quite a difference if you walk into the Grand Slam in Camrose, um, which was sold out, wonderful on the weekend, and and the age of the viewer. It's it's quite a bit lower at a Grand Slam than traditional curling events. So that's important. Um, You've got a lot more noise. You've got Robbie out of PEI blasting stuff out all day, and uh, and Pete Stetsky, of course, being the MC, and he's a little offside sometimes, but funny. Um, so this is all important stuff, I think, to be able to attract younger viewers uh, into the building. You have to have a lot of fun. It has to be active. It has to be a little bit loud, and uh, that's just the way it is. And I think that's important. The game is going that way, but we need to take it even further. Warren, uh, I can only imagine if these young kids come into an arena to check out the sport 
and they hoop and holler and an usher walks down and says, hey, you can't say anything. They're going to get up and they're going to walk out. So I agree with Kevin. What do you think, Warren? Let's liven it up a little bit. I agree fully. I think it's whatever the players can become accustomed to. And if we look at things like the NBA where the free throws and everybody in the crowd is doing everything imaginable to distract that player from throwing, but they get used to it. It's in football where they practice as they pipe in crowd noise when they're trying to call signals so they become used to it. So I think if the players become used to it, there's no issue. And I, I, I think we have to encourage more and more crowd activity and crowd expressing what they think as we move forward. Both Kevin and I have had some interesting experiences in that regard. Mine goes way back, way back, playing in a <laughs> world championship in Bern, Switzerland, yeah. We're playing against Switzerland, a young team, Peter Adiger in the round robin. And at that point in time, curling in Switzerland was very obscure. But all of a sudden, this young team is thought to have the potential to win. And the building was full with 13,000 people in it, all with cowbells, screaming, cheering, yelling, because they'd never experienced curling before. Mm-hmm. We got more ovations for our misses than we did for the shots we made. <laughs> which, of course, was completely out of character for curling. Awesome. And, and it bothered us because we weren't used to it. But were right. we, if we were used to that, it wouldn't be an issue. Kevin went through the same thing in Vancouver at the 2010 Olympics. And the fact that the Olympic curling barn became the party venue for the entire games. And what happened, a lot of people applied for tickets for the Olympics in Vancouver and couldn't get some of the ones they wanted, and they got curling. So once again, we had the building full of people who weren't really curlers. And it became a party. It became known at the Olympics as the place to go because the crowd was having fun. It was loud. It was rambunctious. I'm sure early in the event that uh, Kevin will probably tell us it was a little unnerving, but by the time they got into the final weekend, the, the players had become accustomed to it. And I don't think it was a big issue to them. So I agree. We've got to liven up the sport. Golf is the other one who has to also change how they're doing things. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the Olympics, Kev, 2010. I was watching you, pal. I was watching. Yeah, I saw you up in the crowd. You and Wayne were up there quite often, and uh, Wayne Gretzky watching the action. Yep. Warren sat us in perfect seats uh, <laughs> beside the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the Inside Curling podcast ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I might have heard a knock. We're waiting for our guests to arrive. In the meantime, In the House is brought to you by Goldline. Goldline Curling's new impact broom maximizes performance for carry, hold, and carve. Learn more at goldlinecurling.com. I think I hear someone. Selena Negavan joins us, uh, third for Caitlin Law's team. Boy, Selena, it's great uh, that we can have you on. Thank you very much. How are you doing? Where did we find you this morning? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm just at home in Winnipeg. Um, it's actually pretty nice outside today, which is which is good. We had a bit of a cold, very, very cold week there for a bit, but now it's starting to get nicer. So happy about that. Uh, is Winnipeg uh, really as windy and cold as everyone says in the winter? Yes, <laughs> it is. Short answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the summers are beautiful. The summers make up for it. Uh, good. Uh, that's true. Yeah, I've been there in both seasons. Um Tell me this, Selena, before we get into it, uh, I was I was reading some stuff last night uh, about you and, you know, you look at your, your profile and all you've ever done is curled since you've been about two weeks old uh, when you look back at all that. <laughs> uh, but you, you have your own company. Tell us about that and give it a plug. Yeah, um, I have my own company. It's an online business management company. So I work with small business owners um, and help them organize their day-to-day project management, uh, customer service, all that fun stuff. So it's really good. It gives me the flexibility to be able to curl um, so I can do it on the road. And yeah, it's been it's been great since I started. We better start the interview very quickly before this rule changes again in another 30 seconds, okay? Uh, um, <laughs> bring us up to speed uh, w- with what you know about it now with this Curling Canada rule changing. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. So yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a um, mystery last week. There were things changing from day to day, um, but now the rule is for everyone. Doesn't matter if you're in the top five, um, and I am allowed to sit on the bench with the team at the Scotties. So that is um, what we know now, and hopefully nothing's changing after this. Both men and women now. No more. You have to be in the top five. You were you were uh, spoke out about this, so maybe it was you that that caused them to smarten up and make it a little more more palatable for everybody. Maybe who knows? Um, they did, yeah. They did get a lot of backlash for it. Um, so it was it was good to see that they went in the right direction to allow it to be for everyone. Uh, we never really understood what the reasoning was to limit it to the mm-hmm. top five. Um, as when we were in conversations with them, we were advocating for it to be for everyone. Um, so not really sure why it took that direction, but I'm just glad that it's been reversed and everyone can have access to it. What do you think was really the uh, purpose initially of saying only the top five teams? I had varying views on that and different comments. What do you think they said only the top five teams? Honestly, I'm not really sure. It didn't really make a lot of sense to me, um, especially because there is so little discrepancy between five, six, seven. Um, so I didn't really see what the need for putting a cutoff in general is. They said it was due to those teams being funded. Um, but I think it's even more important for the teams that aren't funded and the teams that come from provinces that don't have a lot of players to choose from, that they should have that same access to picking a player from out of province. I just want to talk about the residency rules, but first let's go to another point that, uh, you had suggested you were going to go to Kamloops and sit on the players' bench, and then they came back and said, no, you can't do that. We'll give you a ticket to sit in the stands. But then they have changed that back to saying that now you can sit in the players' bench. And I guess, again, I'm trying to understand the rationale initially and the rationale behind changing that one as well. Yeah, I think there was a bit of um, miscommunication. Uh, to be honest, the policy is very confusing. Um, so we were under the impression that I could still go. Um, and so when we put out the statement saying I was going, um, I got cleared from my doctor and then we heard from Curling Canada in a press release that I wasn't, that's when things kind of blew up because we were very confused and didn't really have any answers at that point. We just assumed I could go. Um, again, they got a lot of backlash for that as well. Um, and so, we had a meeting with Curling Canada on Sunday night and they changed the rule to allow me to be on the bench. I will be going out for timeouts, but I cannot step foot on the ice. This is a new, a new territory for them. And I know that they're trying to make the rule good for everyone. And so they're kind of navigating it as it comes. So there are some things that are maybe a little bit unclear. Uh, so we're just kind of all working together to make sure that it makes sense to everyone going forward. Just before I flip to Kevin, I think we should also make it clear that I was certainly advised yesterday that we need to say it's parental leave and that this can also be applied to a men's team if it is required. Kevin. First of all, thanks for doing this, for coming on the show. Appreciate no it. Um, you mentioned, I don't know why they are doing this or that, or they, 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 uh, I guess I'd love to hear your thoughts on the importance of a players association <laughs> so that, you know, yourself or Don McEwen, you know, she backed you guys big time and, and Casey Scheidegger was well-spoken last week. So um, we had individual players, you know, say their piece, but I don't know if that's really the solution. Wouldn't it be nice to have a players group at the table before these decisions are made so that they can consult yourself and Caitlin and, and Jennifer Jones and, and so on, so on, you know, and, and also on the men's side as well before any decisions are made. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on, I guess, the players group that was announced on, through Inside Curling uh, a few weeks ago, but then we need a, and probably the need for a Canadian arm of that. I think there just needs to be more communication with athletes in Curling Canada. And I think with the Players Association, hopefully that will help. It was very unfortunate. The policy did go out to some teams in December, and I think it was just the funded athletes. But I'm not sure the email was BCC'd, so I didn't see who got the email. Um, So 
I guess I assumed that everyone was getting this email. And obviously that wasn't the case as people were very shocked when it came out uh, in the Scotty's Guide. So I do think there needs to be more transparency, more communication. And I do think if the Players Association can get in communication with Curling Canada, I think that would be for the best. Uh, no no question. Um, uh, one one area, and I think this is important, and not, not just really just for curling either, for, for female athletes, uh, everywhere in all the different uh, uh, sports. But when a year like this happens, and for yourself and Caitlin to both be be the third in the skip and to both be pregnant, which is great, um, but I guess my, my, my question to do with ranking. Now, how do you protect your ranking, which in turn is uh, attached to funding, um, which matters to be for your team to be able to train and to do all those wonderful things to get as good as you are. Um, I guess I'd just love to hear your thoughts as far as a maybe a structure where being pregnant on a certain year isn't a bad thing because <laughs> I think it's a really good thing. We need more young curlers, and you, this is a one, this is a wonderful <laughs> year for us. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know what a structure could be like, but. I know something needs to change. Um, Jocelyn is also pregnant right now too. So at one point, all three of us were pregnant at the same time. <laughs> Settle down, you guys. No, Settle no, down. I, did, I didn't. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That is wonderful. Oh my goodness! So three. Congratulations to Jocelyn. Yeah. It is cold wow. in Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, well, that's great news. Yeah. I did not expect that. Yeah. That's great news. Thank you. Yeah. So obviously when we formed this team, we had talked about that. We were looking to start a family. So we all were aware of the possibility of us getting pregnant and hopefully it would happen in the first year. Um, But that still does put implications on funding. Um, I unfortunately had issues throughout my pregnancy and curling starting in October was very painful. Um, Caitlin, Finished curling was kind of off in preparation for her baby starting beginning of November. And at that point, I was in so much pain that I didn't even know if I'd be able to continue playing. Um, I was seeing a lot of specialists, physio, osteo, massage, um, Cairo to try to b- continue my play. Um, and But I knew I kind of had to play to keep our standing, to keep our funding and all that. And to make sure we were in a spot for a wild card spot because... I didn't know if we were going to be able to even field a team at provincials with Caitlin, just having had a baby six weeks before I didn't think I'd be able to play with the pain that I was experiencing. So I kind of forced myself to continue playing um, to make sure that we kept our ranking and it it was hard. It was very difficult, um, but I didn't really know what other option I had as we already had Laura playing for Caitlin. So we kind of had to keep going and we were lucky enough to, have strong results at that time, but you never know what could happen. If I, if my doctor told me that I needed to be done, then I'm not really sure what our team would have done. Selena, I'm, I'm getting the sense. Uh, we talk a lot about curling Canada. We talk a lot about the, the growth of curling rule changes, residency, this, this new stuff. I'm getting a feeling, uh, Selena, that curling Canada sort of unilaterally decides on a rule change, we'll do it first, and then if there's pushback, well, then maybe we'll change it. Uh, it what's your sense of it? Because I know you'd said you you need more transparency, and the players need to to be at the table. Um, does that make any sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. Um, when we were advocating for this rule change, we did tell them we wanted it to be everyone, and they didn't. I guess, take that into account when they made the rule because it came out and it was only the top five. So, um, yeah, they did get a lot of backlash and it was changed. So I guess to your point in that situation, yeah, definitely they went back after hearing the backlash from everyone. So this whole thing goes back, I guess, to the residency rule situation. And so now we've got teams that, uh, because of this, can have two imports, so to speak. There's a couple teams out there that have two imports, but it's kind of a We'll look the other way, nothing to see here. How do you think this whole thing with residency and how these high-performance teams are structured going forward should be done? Do you think it's the correct it, the way it is now, or does it need to be tweaked and changed? And the whole confusion with high-performance athletes and people that are below them and 
Anyway, what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I can see why they like the residency rules. Um, they want people to be in the same same province, same city to be able to train together. Um, then you also have the member associations with provincials and what they what they need and what they like. But I do think with how good the world is getting, we need to be able to make our teams based on who the strongest curlers are and who we want to play with. And I think that will give us the most success in the world stage. So now we have a new high performance director, David Murdoch. He has done things quite differently in Scotland. What do you think he's going to do coming into Canada? What do you think his approach is going to be? Any idea? I don't know, because Scotland is a lot different than Canada. We can't really all just go to one training place. That's just, I don't think, is feasible for the athletes that we have here in Canada. So, And and he's aware of that. He's, he said that, that he knows that's not possible. So my main thing is I really hope that there's, like we talked about earlier, there's going to be that transparency and communication with him and the athletes and really take our thoughts into account when he's kind of changing things and um, deciding how we're going to run the high performance program. Well, I just kind of want to get into a couple of things here. Um, one of them is more uh, personal, uh, something I've noticed with you personally over the last few years. I'd love to hear for the, the young, a lot of young curlers uh, tune into this uh, podcast. Um, Selena was always known, if you don't mind me being fairly up front and here, um, to, <laughs> to, to make, to make a, a lot of really, really good shots in a row. And then kind of out of the blue, sort of miss one that you probably shouldn't miss. And that was, I'm not sure you know that, but that was kind of what <laughs> you were sort of known for. Not so much anymore. Um, the focus end of the game, in my opinion, has really improved. Like you're always a really good shooter, but, but it seemed like maybe focus or something sort of went away once in a while. That hasn't been the case for a while. Has there been something you've done uh, from the mental side of the game that's, that's made this, I, I think, quite a re- remarkable change, actually? Yeah, I was working with a sports psychologist, so that probably had a lot to do with it. Um, I think, honestly, which maybe the younger kids' parents don't want to hear this, but when I quit my job and started my own business, <laughs> I just had more time to focus on curling, um, and I think that really helped my game. Um, so, yeah, I think that that had a lot to do with it, and now I... Curling is basically my profession now, and so I just put a lot of time into it, and I think it's just really all paid off. Selena, did you see that? Yeah. Huh? He's mean. He's very tough. <laughs> well, I know. I'm not mean. I just like to be straightforward. I like to ask, you know, like, you know, what the heck? But I, I would love to hear your thoughts on, your, on, your, uh, on the three skips that you've had over the last while because arguably as good as it gets in the world of curling with Carrie Anderson, Tracy F- Flurry, and and now Caitlin Laws. Um, that's an incredible three uh, T head players. Um, your thoughts on on the three? Maybe the differences a little bit. Those are big brands in our sport. All three. Yeah, I've been really lucky to play with yeah three of the best curlers, women's curlers in the world. I would say um, Carrie is. I played with Carrie when I first kind of got onto women's, and she kind of showed me the ropes there and. We kind of had our big break where we made this our first Scotties, um, won a, a couple slams. Um, so that was that was great. She obviously is that hard, heavy hitter. So we always <laughs> always knew we were in trouble. She could bail us out. Um, so yeah, I learned a lot playing with her. And then playing with Tracy, as everyone knows, she's the most sweetest human in the whole entire world. And she is, I would say, probably the smartest strategist in the game right now. So I learned a lot from her playing with her and then Caitlin, she's just had so much experience. She's such a great player. Um, she knows so much about the game. And again, I'm just learning so much from her and I'm, I'm just really soaking it all in. Selena, what uh, Kevin brought up, I mean, your great background with these teams. We, we've seen a lot of this uh, in, in both men's and women's teams with players moving around from team to team. Can you give us an idea of, why you've why you did that and what was behind those decisions uh, to to switch those teams in the last several years? No, oh, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm tough. <laughs> um, I think just 
I think with everyone, like especially this year, we saw all the teams split up. And I think it's just, it was time for a change. Um, the four years, it really is a grueling process going through all four years of an Olympic cycle and just getting to play with new people, getting new experiences, um, seeing what other people's goals are. That kind of was what helped me make my decision in when I was changing teams. You should be a politician. Good answer. No. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, I'll allow you to have another question if you don't pick on Selena about her not being able to throw a shot. <laughs> Well, uh, Selena, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Scotties field. Um, it is a good one. Uh, and I'd just like to maybe hear uh, your your idea, maybe the top six or eight um, of the teams that you, your team needs to kind of worry about, I would say, going into the Scotties because it's, it's, it's full. It's full up with all the talent. Honestly, I don't even think I can give you teams. Like, it is so hard this year, the, the field. And I feel like I say this every year, but... Honestly, I am so happy that Clean Canada has now gone to add the three wildcard teams because it makes the field so much stronger and um, you really can't take anyone lightly. I think the usuals like Anderson, Holman, Jones, Schadegger, we saw how Skrillick performed at her Scotties, like um, the Ackland team from Manitoba, like even the, the teams from the Maritimes, like they always come out and shoot well, perform. Um, McCarville, honestly, everyone is a threat. So um, the girls are going to are gonna really have to be on their best to um, hopefully have that chance on Sunday. Hey, Selena, have you had the chance to play uh, uh, Christina Black out of uh, Nova Scotia much? Um, I actually played her this year in the final. Uh, the girls... We went to Halifax uh, when Laura spared for us. So Caitlin was gone and I skipped. And we played Christina in the final of the Halifax event. She's just been impressing me for a while. And just, you know, sitting in the back and kind of watching the the, the, the big picture. And yeah. this is just a, a team that seems really good um, and just getting better and better. Maybe a little quicker than than a lot of teams. Your thoughts? Yeah, they are definitely shooters. Um, even when she played third for Marianne, um, she she was very good. And now that she's skipping and she has she has a smart strategy brain, um, she makes she can make all the shots. So she's also not a team to take lightly for sure. Yeah, we're gonna have a lot of fun watching this, Scotties. Go ahead, Jimmy. Yeah, Selena. Um, uh, thanks a lot for uh, for coming on and. Um, you know, I, I I was kidding at the top, but but it's probably true that you were instrumental in in making changes uh, in calling Curling Canada to task, um, and and we've always talked about this, and the boys have always talked about it. Warren and Kevin saying that's that's what needs to happen, and obviously it's effective. Are there other curlers uh, now, Selena, that you think are going to get on board with this and and begin to look at everything that we've talked about with curling and what needs to be changed? Are, are more and more going to sort of do what you're doing? Yeah, I think a lot of curlers realized, especially too when we like band together, that we can make changes. Um, I know when we went to Curling Canada for this rule change at the beginning of the season, um, we were a little nervous because we were <laughs> kind of going above and beyond the norm and asking for some sort of exemption to be made and I don't know how often that is really done but we knew if if something were to happen it would be better for the sport and better for all athletes so we're just really happy that we did that um, and we're really grateful that Curling Canada listened to us and um, made these changes. Well you guys better uh, get curling. Uh, th- three of you are pregnant. Uh, it's going to cost your friends a fortune in baby showers, okay? <laughs> yeah. But well done, and we all know that's the the biggest and most important thing in the health and happiness of, you know, your families, and congratulations on all of that. Um, how's your team prepping now um, before next month? Yeah, so uh, Laura and Jocelyn are coming out to Winnipeg uh, tomorrow, actually. So we're going to do a training training weekend with them, so we're really excited for that. And then we leave on Wednesday, so... It's come up really quick. Um, we've been doing a lot of meetings, um, chatting with Lisa as well. We're super excited to have her on board. So, yeah, we're just looking forward to it and excited to get started. Yeah, I said I said next month I'm I'm, I'm getting mixed up between the Briar and you guys, and uh, 
Well, that's coming up fast. Uh, Selena, thanks a lot for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Good luck with everything. Go buy some cribs. Okay, all you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Take care, Selena. Thank you very much for coming on. Good luck. Thank you. Thanks, Selena. Good luck. Thanks, Selena. Bye. Okay, boys, maybe she's a future force in, in curling Selena Negavan, uh, who we just heard from, of course. Uh, what what'd you think, Kev? Well, well-spoken. Uh, but a lot of very, very good points. Um, I think it's really important to get the whole word of how this all transpired, this whole discussion over the last couple of weeks with, uh, with pregnancies, and which happened a lot in the, uh, in the first year of a quad. So I think it's really important that the rules get solid mm-hmm. and understandable so they make sense. And uh, I, I think she did a, just a great job of getting that done uh, with help of, of uh, other, other friends in the, uh, in the game as well. But good honor to get it done and come on the show and explain it very well to us. What would you do, Kevin, if you, if you saw these rules? Are you, are you taking on Curling Canada? He's never done that. <laughs> <laughs> well, been there, done. Yeah. <laughs> and we've been part of that. Yeah, right. Um, I, I think, I think the, the, the bigger the bigger discussion isn't so much one rule. Um, like this was an important discussion, but uh, the, 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 the players association has to exist uh, worldwide and then in Canada. Um, I like what Nicodine's doing with, uh, he's the president of the world wide players association and it just has to be offshoots into the countries. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very important. Hasn't happened yet. Has to happen so that th- these decisions aren't made in behind closed doors, they're made at a table with players, uh, part of it. And then that, that way, a lot of these decisions would just wouldn't be made because the players are going to go, uh, this doesn't make any sense from the player's side of things. And, and the players, a lot of decisions are made, would be made if, if they didn't have anybody on the other side of the table, all towards the players. But there are other people like sponsors and fans and volunteers that are involved in these events that we need to worry about as well. So the table needs to have both the governing body side and the player side at the table. It's really, really important. What do you, what do you think, Warren? You brought up the new director too, the high performance director. Do you think Curling Canada will eventually say, okay, before we do this, before we go public, before we try this, let's talk to some curlers? first <laughs> well they've always talked to curlers but it's been individual players it hasn't been anybody that's sort of uh, voicing opinions on behalf of the group so i mean they've got a lot of issues this whole high performance aspect of curling canada murdoch coming in here we're going to talk about that later but he's got a huge challenge as to what they're going to do going forward you know i, I talk to people in the organization one and one and and one and one they will all confide in you that yeah we've got some big issues but and it's this whole issue of the control that these provincial associations have over what they do and how this is all structured. And quite frankly, the provincial associations should have no say in how Curling Canada operates their high-performance program. And to a very large degree, that's the challenge we have here. We're still mixing everything together. So what happens here going forward is going to be a great opportunity for us to have lots to talk about and observe. <laughs> <laughs> Hear that little sly giggle? <laughs> Kevin, hear that little <laughs> Absolutely. And I know how hard it is. Believe me, I tried and tried and tried to make a lot of things happen when I was on the inside, and it's a very difficult thing to do. And you've got to be prepared to take some hits because, uh, and, and I think that's one of the problems right now. I'm not sure anybody inside anymore is prepared to take the hits required to to make some of these changes. It's probably because you're too shy, Warren, and you don't, <laughs> you don't step up really and speak. speak your mind. <laughs> well, that was a quick show. <laughs> again <laughs> whoever whoever came up with a freaking idea we'd like this show to be 35 or 40 minutes we only we only miss it by i don't know an hour sometimes that we're over uh but good stuff all kinds of good stuff uh thanks everyone for listening if you want to uh weigh in on this stuff inside curling at gmail.com in-house strategies is rod paulson's company has been with us uh, right from the very start and uh, we want to congratulate Rod and thank him so much for doing what he does in the show. And a big, big milestone for him this past week, Kev. 50 years uh, that Rod and his company have been in business, including 25 of that involved in curling. 
He's done all sorts of things. And uh, congratulations, Rod. Uh, you're getting older, my friend. You're getting older. You're not a member of our Facebook page. You better do it right now. There's lots to weigh in on and, and uh, make a comment. I think Warren says the odd thing on that Facebook. <laughs> I think so. You know? I make an occasional comment, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Offer some opinion. Exactly. Exactly. Once again, <laughs> insightcurling at gmail.com. Thanks again to Sports Interaction, Coyote, Boost, and Goldline, who make all of this possible. We really appreciate those guys, and we invite you to support those sponsors. Okay, boys, back to doing what you're doing. Uh, another week in the books. Happy New Year. Oh. <laughs> there, must be, there must be a drop dead date on the Happy New Year. Okay, There's got to be a, okay, no more after that. Happy I think Easter then. June 1st. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Easter. Happy Canada Day. I'm going early. Okay. We'll talk to you later, fellas. Hey, thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim.